the last couple of weeks have been talking through uh, the ordinances of faith. I hid water back here. This is, I know, it's, I just made it appear. Right? Fancy cornucopia, also a mug, a mug hider. Um, so for the last two weeks, we've been talking through Wesley's ordinances of the faith. You can see your do no harm, do good, but then also uh, keep the faith. That's how Joe kind of shortened the asterisk. Uh, Wesley said, attend upon all the ordinances of God, which are words we don't use anymore. And so Joe said, keep the faith. <laughs> and that's keep as in like how you would keep a garden, right? Till it, help it to grow, not like keep it and don't share it. It's a different kind of keep. <laughs> um, keep it and help it to grow. That's what that means, right? So we're going to work on the, the ordinances of the faith, which are spiritual disciplines, essentially, right? So Joe spent some time with scripture reading and then abstinence and fasting. And today our focus is going to be prayer. Corporate prayer, um, or like the communal prayer that we do together during the worship service, is a spiritual discipline. But I wanted to focus more on personal prayer practices this morning um, and just share some habits with you that you may not have heard about before. And you may wish to take notes, so I'm letting you know now. So be ready to like pull out your phone to take notes, or um, the offering envelopes are bl blank on the back. Just don't tell the lady in charge of greeters that you're using envelopes for, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> That's me. It's my job. I'm, I'm teasing. So yes, use the offering envelopes for notes if you want to, or be ready to pull your, your phone out. Um, and if you need me to repeat something along the way, by the way, as well, um, just like let me know. Just shout out at me or something and like, what was that? And I'm happy to repeat a thing. Um, or you can email me for more information later if you want to. <laughs> so theologian John Stott once said that holiness is not a condition into which we drift which is essentially just a reminder that any good growth which happens in our relationship with God will require intention. God is always seeking us. God is ready to meet with us. And these spiritual disciplines are meant to help us draw closer to God. But a spiritual practice isn't magic, right? It won't change you by itself. It puts you in a place to partner with the Holy Spirit to become an ever-fresh reflection of Jesus but the work is God's. We bring a willing heart, and God will do the work for the growth that we seek. Now, I have to sort of interrupt myself here um, just to say something, because I think that this is something which has caused some harm. There are people who have tried to force spiritual growth by restricting behavior for themselves as well as for others. They've just piled on more rules in an effort to make the outside look as though the inside work has been done. Does that make sense? But it's God's loving spirit that shapes us and molds us, right? It is God. Any change that comes about will be the fruit of God's work. Spiritual disciplines are a way of putting ourselves in a place to partner with the Holy Spirit, but it is the spirit which does the work in us. So in light of that, I also want to acknowledge that prayer has been weaponized. It has been used as a tool of shame, manipulation, exclusion, oppression. And this is not right, right? Let me be clear. That is not okay. And if you have been hurt in this way, I am so very sorry. It should not have happened, and you are not to blame. God loves you. God cherishes you. And while I have no illusions that my words today will fix any past hurts, I'm hopeful that something we look at might resonate with you and become a life-giving part of your journey forward.
So if none of this serves you, though, right, I want this to be helpful and not hurtful. So if none of this serves you this morning, then just leave it all here. That's fine. Um, but I also know that when we are confronting the ways we grew up and the things we were taught and we're like untangling and deconstructing all of that, sometimes it can end up leaving us with empty hands. And I think this is part of why so many of us are attracted to the styles of worship that we perceive to be more ancient um, or like time-tested or traditional. We are longing to experience a sense of rootedness and meaning in the way that we approach God. And we know that some of the models from our contemporary era are not it for plenty of reasons. So again, my hope is that there might be something here for you today um, as we review various models of prayer. But let's start with, why do we pray? Maybe because we are seeking to know God. The world around us can be so awfully noisy, right? And prayer can be a time when we are intentionally quiet, intentionally listening for the Lord. And prayer can lift us up and out. Henry Nouwen once wrote that prayer is the way to both the heart of God and the heart of the world. Prayer can lift us closer to the heart of God while also showing us more about God's heart in the world. Or perhaps we pray as a response. Prayer can be a worshipful response to the one who offers us salvation and freedom from the shame of sin. Prayer can also be a response to our experiences, right? Prayer can be full of joy or full of grief. Prayer can offer us insight and help answer the question, who is the triune God in the midst of this? In the midst of what I am facing, who is God right now? And how am I to carry on through times of uncertainty, pain, or confusion? The ancient Jews believed that prayer began with an intentional awareness of God's presence, to know before whom we are standing. Historical evidence, uh, such as Hannah's prayer recorded in 1 Samuel or Mary's prayer in the Gospel of Luke, suggests that personal, spontaneous prayer was something people practiced. It's been a thing forever. <laughs> as well as our corporate liturgical prayer, right? And those are just big words for they recited prayers out loud together, just like we did a moment ago. The ancient faithful were really not any different than we are. They wanted to know God better, so do we. They wanted to understand God's heart and God's plan, so do we. We, though, have the benefit of recorded history and scripture and tradition, which can sometimes provide a framework and give us tools for our spiritual lives. The book of Hebrews, for instance, refers to some of the faithful who've gone before us, offering a reminder that they chose to place their trust in God through intense challenges. They knew their prayers were heard by the Lord, the God of Abraham, who had proven to be reliable. The author of Hebrews names some of the faithful in chapter 11, and there have been millions more, of course, right, who have gone unnamed. But they all trusted what they knew, which was a God who had proven to be reliable in the past. Our faith is not built upon an empty hope. We have a reliable God. Faith is built on the acknowledgement of the blessings that shape the reality we are living right now and that it gives grounding and assurance to our future hope. God has been faithful. God is reliable. And God does not change. 
We can have courage and strength to keep going through uncertain times because we know that God is meeting us at every single step. And Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit will not ever leave our side. But while we all are running this race alongside each other, right, to loosely quote Hebrews, we also have to acknowledge that we are all different. So my spiritual practices will not look like your spiritual practices. You can think of it kind of like a training regime. People who are planning to participate in a marathon, right, two people who are going to run the same race will not train the exact same way. So we cannot forget that comparison is the thief of joy, and comparing our journey with the Lord to someone else's will not be helpful or life-giving for you. So thankfully, the Holy Spirit knows each of us intimately and meets us exactly where we are. This is part of why we'll be looking at a variety of prayer practices today. And as I mentioned before, something may resonate with you while something else does not, and you are welcome to just take as much or as little as you want. And I also do want to make uh, you aware of a wonderful book, too, because would it be a Sunday morning service with me preaching without a book recommendation? Of course not. Um, so Spiritual Disciplines Handbook is, see, I brought props, everybody. So this is a Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. I can give this to you later in more depth if you want. Adele Alberg, Cal Alberg. Oh, mercy. Adele Alberg Calhoun is her name. This book explains over 70 different disciplines, right? So over the last couple of weeks, we've touched on a few things. Joe talked about Lectio Divina. Like I said, fasting, abstinence. Today, we're talking through some prayer things. If you are like, none of those interest me, there's like 70, right? So there's a lot more. There's stuff in here that'll surprise you. I mean, just, just hanging out in community is a spiritual discipline, right? Being intentional in community. So there's a lot of things in here that I think would be really valuable. Um, it's a good book. It sounds overwhelming, perhaps, when I say that there's over 70 in there, but I promise it's not overwhelming. It's a really excellent book, and I highly recommend it. Um, and you're welcome to thumb through mine if you're interested. But while I was thinking about why we pray and what we, may be, what we may be seeking to experience, I was also reminded of the small story in Luke's gospel about Mary and her sister Martha. Um, so I've got it on a slide here for you to follow along. I'm going to read. It's from the NRSV. Now, as they went on their way, he, Jesus, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, the commentaries all seem to agree that Jesus is doing a little play on words with the situation here when he talks about many in one, um, because it's likely that Martha was worried about a meal with many courses, and Mary was sitting at his feet focused on the main course, right, which is learning from Jesus. <laughs> Additionally, let's not miss it that Martha is not shamed for what she's doing. It's really important. Jesus is not elevating this above that or one way of living above another, above another way of living, but he is instead just gently reminding Martha to shake free of the things that are distracting from what is the most important in that moment, learning from Jesus. And that's sort of how I see these prayer practices. They offer us a chance to intentionally place ourselves at the feet of Jesus. 
Prayer can be a time when we acknowledge the worries and distractions of life and like things that are necessary, yet still distract us from sitting in the Lord's presence and just being, just listening, just breathing, just being with the Lord. All right, you ready? We're going to begin with a practice from around 500 years ago that was uh, created by Ignatius Loyola called Examine. Yes, perhaps you've heard of him. In some uh, traditions, he is called Saint Ignatius. I didn't know him, so I'll just call him Ignatius. No, I'm totally joking. I don't know how saintly he was. I'm just teasing. Okay, so examine. <laughs> um, I wanted to start here because this can be a prayer practice in itself, but it also can be useful to illuminate our day for us in such a way that we will want to continue praying more specifically um, and perhaps using another one of the practices that we'll get to. So examine is kind of just what it sounds like. It's a practice that uses a series of questions to help us examine our day closely. So we are looking for the movement of the Lord in our day. Examine will typically then be exercised in the evening, right? Something at the end of your day looking backwards. The questions follow a pattern of duality. Um, and I've got some examples up on the screen for you. So what moment today am I most grateful for? What moment today am I least grateful for? So you're taking time to think through your day, asking yourself these questions, letting something rise to the top. Another one is when did I give and receive the most love today? Or when did I give and receive the least love today? Right, do you see how there's that kind of duality among these? Another example, when today did I have the deepest sense of connection with God, with others, with myself, or when today did I have the least sense of connection? <clears throat> this practice of examine will increase our awareness of God's presence in our days, it helps to foster gratitude, and importantly, it makes us more aware of our growing edges. So that's examine, usually an end-of-day practice. Another time-of-day type is called fixed-hour prayer. This is based upon the Benedictine system that began over 1,600 years ago when those dedicated monks would pray at set times throughout the day. For them, there were eight sessions in each 24-hour period. So their work would cease at set moments in their day, and they would pray prescribed psalms and other liturgical prayers. Now, eight sessions in a day sounds like a lot. <laughs> so if you're interested in this practice, then it is suggested to start with where you are right now, right? So wherever you are in your prayer habits, maybe start with setting a certain prayer for your waking moments, right? When I wake up in the day, this is what I will pray. And just try that out for a while before adding in something else. Um, or perhaps if your lunchtime, you know, follows a set schedule, that could be a good time to pause, read a psalm perhaps as a prayer, um, the idea, though, is to not burden you, right? Don't set alarms. Don't, like, freak out if you miss it. It's, not to, it's to free you uh, through the reliability of a routine. And again, take it or leave it. <laughs> um, so something you may want to utilize during a fixed-hour prayer time is liturgical prayers. And this is a spiritual discipline that we already practice together, right, as I mentioned before. And this is a very ancient practice. Liturgical prayer dates back to the worship of the early church 2,000 years ago. Liturgical prayer is defined as a written 
or memorized prayer that gives us a framework for our worship, either together or on our own. So when we recite the Lord's Prayer together, liturgy. <laughs> um, perhaps singing a familiar hymn is also considered liturgy. Someone I know uh, who struggles with chronic sleeplessness uh, issues, she just like can't ever sleep, uh, she told me recently that she will recite Psalm 23. And she's so, she's so funny. She told me that she specifically recites the King James Version, like, yay, throw I walk through the valley, because it just feels like more, I don't know, I can't remember the word she said, but it, fe it feels like more elevated, more serious, more like, you know, I don't know, but it calms her more than like the NIV does, which is anyway. But she says that it's like had a really great positive impact in her life, like practicing this liturgical prayer, you know, and putting it into her life in a specific moment, so and she's gonna watch this online later and laugh at me just now, but that's okay too. So a wonderful resource for this type of prayer is this other book, my other prop. Um, this is a book called Common Prayer, A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. Joe handed these copies out a while ago. He still has some hanging around. Um, so if you want one, talk to Joe next week. <laughs> um, I looked in his office to see if I could find any lying around and I couldn't see any. I was going to like, have a stack and be like, take one. Uh, but if you don't have this and would like it, talk to Joe about that. It's a wonderful book for starting you off into liturgy. Um, they, they have prayers for every single day of the year in here, as well as like a morning and an evening liturgy. And then there's a whole section in the back of prayers for specific circumstances in your life, like moving into a new home you know, um, like the birth of a baby, just like stuff like that. So it's just a really wonderful resource to thumb through. Um, common prayer, ordinary radicals. That's us, guys. Ordinary radicals. Okay, so if liturgical prayers are attractive to you and you don't have one of those books, as I said, then just make sure to talk to Joe. It's a lovely and really easy way to start exploring that discipline. Now, a few moments ago, I mentioned that prayer can be full of joy and full of grief. And I want you to know that prayer of lament is a spiritual discipline. Author Anne Voskamp has wonderful things to say about lament, grief, and gratitude in her books and how they all work together in our life. She has said that lament is a cry of belief in a good God, a God who has their ear to our hearts. Scripture has told us that our good God turns ashes into beauty and brings strength to the weak. But we are immersed in a culture that screams at us to pull ourselves up and carry on. It's not that bad. You're not that hurt. Culture gaslights us to believe that we are wrong to take time to grieve and lament. But God knows that is not the way. God knows we need to grieve. And this is why prayer of lament is a spiritual discipline. The practice includes naming the cries of our heart, putting words to our pain, and putting it at the feet of Jesus. If you'd like to read some examples from scripture or even use the scripture as your own prayer, then the book of Lamentations is useful for this, um, as well as some Psalms. I'm going to pause for a moment. You can take a picture of this slide if you want to, or jot. There's like so many. I listed community lament psalms, individual lament psalms, and the fact that there are so many, like let that encourage you a little bit. Our lament is part of being human. 
right? It's not like there's one psalm for this, like, oh, are you lamenting? That sounds hard. Like, there's so much there because this is part of our human experience to walk through all of this. And these psalms are so helpful for giving us the language we need. And even more importantly, my friends, is that God is not afraid of our lament, right? Your tears are not too much for God. That's another thing these psalms can really help us with, giving us those words and reminding us. A lot of them are crafted by David, King David, the one that was like the favorite of God, you know, and yet he was like, why do you hate me, God? <laughs> like, we, you know, like there's a lot there that's so helpful for us to go, okay, this is, you know, it's normal to, to not feel normal. <laughs> Sorry, I went off script. Okay, so when we pray lament, <laughs> we are not only choosing to trust God to hold us while we hurt, but our prayers of lament are a faith-filled declaration that we are trusting our reliable God to be reliable once again. All new life comes out of the dark places. So one final uh, broader practice, so to speak, that I want to just touch on is prayer walking. And this is exactly what it sounds like, praying while walking. Um, but I wanted to mention it briefly just to underscore that there is no singular right way to pray. You can kneel, you can sit, you could pray lying down, you can stand, you can walk. So some people have found that like scheduling consistency, every day I walk at five or whatever, is really a meaningful way to then also incorporate some prayer into their lives. Um, so it can be useful to utilize one of these other practices. There's just three left, you're hanging with me. So three more that I'm gonna go through now and it can be useful to utilize these other three perhaps while you're walking. So the first of those is called breath prayer. And this is one that maybe you've heard of before. Breath prayer, if I can, you know, water, that's what I need. I can, my, my, yeah, okay. Getting all gummed up. All right, breath prayer. <laughs> uh, it's been around for millennia, primarily uh, used by the Eastern Orthodox Church as a way to live out Paul's call, the Apostle Paul, to pray without ceasing. How is that possible? Well, I breathe all the time, right? I breathe without ceasing. So they were trying to put those things together. So this form of praying is meant to follow our breath as we inhale and then as we exhale. Its most popular prayer is called the Jesus Prayer. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. So I invite you to try it now if you'd like. Breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me with your exhale. And I have to tell you, this single practice seriously changed my life when I was an early follower of Jesus, like working in restaurants. That environment can be so toxic. Yes, nodding of the heads from those who know, yes. And like, even if it's a healthy work environment, it's still crazy stressful. So this little breath prayer helped me to stay focused on God and calm throughout some really nutty dinner shifts. <laughs> So my experience uh, shows, of course, that this prayer can be utilized at any time. <laughs> Working, driving, walking, trying to fall asleep at night, you know, whenever you need it and wherever you are and whenever it's useful. This is a wonderful one to just sort of have in your pocket, you know. Um, as far as what to pray, the Jesus Prayer is a great choice. Um, Calhoun's book offers some suggestions like Abba, 
I belong to you. Or, Lord, on the inhale, here I am on the outhale. Outhale. I just made up a word, everyone. Exhale. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, mercy. All right. So another great thing about breath prayer is that you can also make your own, right? Just keep it simple and short. It's just supposed to be enough syllables to fill a breath, you know? Um, and a lot of them are rooted in some language we find in the Psalms, again. So, great shepherd, bring me peace, something like that. Could also write things like that. Um, all right, still with me. Another type of prayer <laughs> that can be exercised at any point in our day is listening prayer. And this is a discipline of learning to simply be with God and learning to recognize God's voice. It is a time of quieting our own thoughts, if we can, to listen for God. And this can even come like through songs we hear or scripture we read. Perhaps you've decided to try Lectio Divina. That's an excellent time for listening prayer. The key to this is to just notice what leaps out at you and then just hover with that. It's interestingly also a good exercise in releasing control for those of us who struggle with control um, because we can never really dictate what God will say or when God will speak, you know? So we are just simply bringing ourselves to the feet of Jesus, echoing the words of young Samuel. When God called to him, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for I am listening. The final personal prayer practice that I want to introduce you to this morning is called welcoming prayer. Um, this was new to me when I was first reading through Calhoun's book, but I really love it. And I wanted to finish with this one because I'm hoping, if you don't mind, that we can all move through it together. If you don't want to, it's okay. Um, but welcoming prayer addresses our, our fundamental needs for affection and safety and power. The practice includes welcoming Jesus into every corner of our very messy lives and pivoting back and forth between release and acceptance. So we move through the practice in kind of a practical way, um, beginning by sitting comfortably with our eyes closed and acknowledging God's presence. And if you want to participate, we'll stay this way for a few minutes, and then I'll close the practice um, and the sermon time with an amen. So, eyes closed, sit comfortably, and breathing. You scan through your entire body, just becoming aware of any tightness, numbness, any pain that might uh, be held by your body. Just take a minute and breathe. <clears throat> scan through your body. Invite Jesus into those spaces that you feel, the tightness, the numbness, the pain. Invite Jesus in with welcome, Jesus, welcome. Breathe deeply, scan again, inviting Jesus into any space where you might feel tension or worry. Welcome, Jesus, welcome. See if you can identify what might be the cause of anxious feelings or tension or pain? Is there a particular situation you've been thinking a lot about? A certain relationship that's causing unsettled feelings? Repeat the words to yourself, welcome Jesus, welcome. Inviting Jesus into whatever you have identified. 
Keep breathing. Consider, where in your life are you more likely to seek control? What could happen if you release control? Welcome, Jesus, welcome. Ask yourself, what might be making it hard to release anxiety? And welcome, Jesus, welcome. Consciously release tension. Accept Jesus' presence and love, release worry, welcome Jesus, welcome. Breathe deeply and release what you are holding on to, accepting Jesus' presence and love. And then remain here for a moment. Enjoy sitting at Jesus' feet. Sovereign Lord, we thank you so much for this time together in worship. I thank you for your faithful presence, your enduring love, and your mercies, which are new every morning. Amen. So that was a lot of information. I know, I warned you. Um, Hopefully you were able to take a few notes along the way, jot down names of practices that resonated with you. Um, You know, spoiler alert, you can also Google the names of these prayer practices and probably find a lot of things, examples, details, histories, of course. I didn't make any of this up. Um, But if you want to, you know, email to me as well, I'm happy to answer questions or connect you with resources if you'd prefer The critical piece here this morning, my friends, is really to know that there's no wrong way to pray, right? That's what I was really hoping for. Out of 70, I had to pick like five. So remember that Jesus just simply wants to spend time with you. God wants to mature us and grow us and heal us. And these spiritual disciplines are one way that we can be intentional about partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit.